ever go anywhere alone, Juliet wondered, did not keep walking. Instead, they stopped to examine the poster for the weekend's big event, the third annual Venus Harbor Valentine's Day Poetry Jam. Go away! Thought Juliet desperately. Go away! The mental command didn't work. Bambi and Samantha stayed right where they were. My pathetic mother is totally jazzed because Scott Willis is coming to this, said Bambi. Who cares about a fat weatherman? scoffed Samantha. Corey Falcon is the one I'm excited about. Just because you've got 15 pictures of him on your wall? You think he's hot, too. Besides, did you ever read any of his poems? He's not just a great actor. He's got a beautiful soul. Juliet tried not to betray her hiding spot by making puking noises. The whole poetry jam was her father's idea and he had been grumbling for months about having to bring in fake poets like Scott Willis and Corey Falcon. She felt the twitch of irritation at Bambi and Samantha for even looking at the poster. So, are you going to go? asked Samantha after a few minutes. Are you kidding and miss a chance to see Corey Falcon in person? Besides, it's going to be fun. People are coming from all over. They even did a thing about it on Fox News last night. Suddenly she laughed. What's so funny? Remember what happened to Juliet the first year they did this? Samantha snorted. That was so pathetic. Juliet's cheeks blazed nearly as red as the brick wall behind her as the unwanted memory swept over her. More than ever, she wished she could just disappear. So, what are you going to do about her? About who? said Bambi, sounding genuinely puzzled. Juliet, why should I do anything? Everyone knows what a jerk she is. I've got more important things to do than worry about getting back at Killer. I can't believe you're going to let her get away with saying those things. In fact, when I see her, I'm going to slap her face for you. A horrible panic, too powerful to resist, seized Juliet, and she turned to flee. She did not run because she was afraid of being slapped by Samantha. She ran simply because she was afraid of being seen by either of them. The back end of the alley opened into the parking lot behind Cosgrove's grocery. Juliet raced across the lot, ignoring the hello call to her by Susie Cosgrove. She shot behind the teddy bear store, turned up Dell Street, and turned right toward the beach. But somehow she must have gotten turned around, because the beach was only two blocks away, and she kept running and running. To her surprise, she found herself on a street she did not recognize, which seemed impossible since she had lived in Venus Harbor all her life, and it wasn't that big a town. Juliet slowed to a walk, pressing her hand against her side where a sharp pain had blossomed. She noticed that a mist had started to rise. Early fogs were not unknown in Venus Harbor, but this was thicker than usual, and the tendrils of it seemed to cling to her feet. She pulled her drab sweater more tightly around her shoulders and looked from side to side. The street was lined with old-fashioned-looking shops. Like the fog, this was not unusual for Venus Harbor, where quaint was the official town style, and nine-tenths of the stores, half of them selling either fudge or seashells, were designed to catch the eye of tourists. But the shop at the end of the street was even more old-fashioned looking than the others. Its curved front window, divided into many panes, said in bold letters, Elives Magic Supplies, S.H. Elives Prop. Where did that come from? wondered Juliet, finding it hard to believe Venus Harbor could possibly contain such a cool store, or that she had been unaware of it until now. 
forgetting Bambi and Samantha. She waded through the fog, which was swirling around her knees now, and seemed to get thicker as she approached the shop. The door was made of carved wood instead of metal and glass like those of most of the stores in town. Juliet pressed on it. The door swung open without a sound. A small bell tinkled overhead as she crossed the threshold. She looked around for a clerk, but there was no one in sight. Hello? Anyone here? No answer. Juliet thought about leaving, but figured if the door was unlocked, it must mean the store was open for business. Maybe whoever ran the place was in the bathroom. Juliet actually preferred it like this, since she wouldn't have to talk to anyone. She hated the way people who worked in stores were always asking if you wanted something. Most of the time what she wanted was to be left alone. She gazed around the shop. It was filled with all sorts of things that magicians, professional magicians, might use in their acts. To the right was a wall filled with cages. She saw rabbits, which she figured were for pulling out of hats. But there were also toads, lizards, bats, and a spider the size of a dinner plate. She shuddered and turned her attention elsewhere. In the center of the room stood a tall, glossy black cabinet with brilliantly colored Asian dragons painted on its sides. Swords had been thrust through the cabinet from all directions. Beside the cabinet was a bin filled with a rainbow's worth of silk scarves. A glass-topped counter ran against the wall to the left, its shelves filled with Chinese rings, big decks of cards, and other magicians' paraphernalia. On top of the counter was a rack of magic wands. At the back of the shop was another counter. This one, made of wood, had a dragon carved on its front. On top of the counter sat an old-fashioned brass cash register. Juliet thought it was quite beautiful, but she was even more impressed by the stuffed owl perched on top of it. At least she assumed the owl was stuffed, until it turned its head, looked right at her, blinked twice, then uttered a low hoot. Peace, Yuila, cried a sharp voice from the back of the shop. I know she's there. The owl looked startled. A moment later, a woman strode through the beaded curtain that covered the door behind the counter. She was attractive, or would have been if not for a leanness in her features that made what beauty she had seem harsh and forbidding. She wore black pants, a high-necked white blouse, and a long overshirt made of red fabric and covered in designs so sharp and pointed they seemed to jab your eyes. Juliet wondered if she was the owner of the shop. If so, was she Mrs. Elives, Miss Elives, or Ms. Elives? She hated trying to figure out what to call an adult woman. Why couldn't it be as simple as it was for men, where there was just one choice? The owl swiveled its head toward the woman, then ruffled its feathers and hooted questioningly. Peace, Yuila, said the woman again. The owl returned to its motionless state. Juliet could not help but notice that its eyes seemed to be filled with terror. She felt a surge of anger. Did this woman mistreat the poor thing? How could you have something as wonderful as an owl for a pet and be cruel to it? Welcome, said the woman. Her voice was dry and husky, as if she had not used it in some time. My name is Iris. How can I help you? Juliet stared at her for a moment before she was able to say, I just came in to look around. I hadn't seen the store before. I thought I knew all the shops in town. The woman smiled. We're a little off the beaten path. She paused, stared at Juliet for a moment, then nodded in satisfaction. Let me show you something. 
Reaching into the pocket of her overshirt, she extracted a gold chain from which hung a small, delicately carved pendant, ivory by the look of it. Cupid's choice, murmured the woman, her voice suddenly softer and more enticing than Juliet would have thought possible. Here, take a closer look. Hold it for a moment. When Juliet took a step forward, the woman grabbed her hand, pulled it toward her, and dropped the pendant into it. Startled by the sudden action, Juliet nearly turned to run out of the shop. But she was too fascinated to leave. Lifting the pendant so she could examine it more closely, she felt her heart captured by the strangely beautiful face carved into the ivory, found herself filled with a desire to own it. She noticed a tiny pair of golden hinges on one side, and a miniature keyhole, also made of gold, on the other. Her fingers moved toward them. Don't! said the woman urgently. Lowering her voice, she added, Not that you could. The hinges don't work. Still, best not to try. You might ruin everything. Juliet looked at the woman nervously. She was talking as if she were crazy. Juliet was tempted to drop the pendant and flee. But the thing was so lovely, she couldn't help looking at it again. She couldn't remember ever wanting an object so desperately. How much is it? she asked, knowing full well that she could never afford such an exquisite item. How badly do you want it? Not much. This was not true. However, Juliet didn't consider it a lie. Her father had taught her about bargaining, and this was just part of the process. You never let someone know how much you wanted something. The woman laughed. <laughs> Fine. Just put it down and leave. Juliet did place the pendant on the counter.